0: What's going on, everybody? This is the I Am Pitts podcast, and this is your host, Dexter Pitts, otherwise known as DP or Dex. Really don't care what you call me, as long as you don't call me a leftist or a liberal. With that said, gonna go ahead and give you the disclaimer, the opinions and views you're about to hear in this podcast are the opinions and views of mine and mine alone. They are not a reflection of my department or any other organization that I am a member of. With that said, let's get into it. If I were to say the date of May 12, 2007, what would it mean to you? Most people, it's just another day. For me, that day has a lot of a lot of meaning to it and a lot of pain attached to it. If I said the names to you, Private Brian Fowdy, Specialist Alexander Jimenez, PFC Joseph Anznak, Sergeant First Class James Connell, PFC Daniel Coria, PFC Christopher Murphy, Sergeant Anthony Schober, or if I said the name to you, Sergeant Stephen Packer, would those names mean anything to you? Probably not. And those names probably don't mean anything to the general American public, and that date means nothing. But to those who served in Iraq, those who served with the 10th Mountain Division, the 2nd Brigade Combat Team, in 2007, in the Triangle of Death in Iraq, near Mamadiya, those names still hold dear and close to us, 14 years later. So, I was already out of the Army, but I remember seeing the headlines on May 12th that three soldiers from the 431 Infantry Battalion had been kidnapped in the Triangle of Death near Mamadia, Iraq. Not only were three soldiers kidnapped, four soldiers were also killed in an attack in the early morning hours by insurgents working in that area. And so as that event goes on, I remember being glued to the TV and watching, trying to figure out what was going on, because I knew my buddies from Alpha Company 214 Infantry were working in that same area. And I remember when my buddy Paul Orgler called me around the 19th of May and told me, I don't know if you've heard the news decks, but Packer didn't make it. He was killed in action on May 17th, 2007. So for those that don't know, like I said, we already knew the soldier, the, the ambush had already occurred. And like I said, the four soldiers were killed during the ambush were Sergeant first class, James O'Connell, PFC, Daniel Correa, PFC Murphy, and Sergeant Schober. They were killed during the initial ambush but the three soldiers were missing were Private Brian Fowdy, Specialist Alex Jimenez, and PSC Joseph Anznak. They were missing. So when soldiers from the 2nd Brigade learned that their brothers were gone missing they set off in search on foot and on vehicle throughout the entire Triangle of Death trying to locate these guys. While in search for his fellow soldiers Sergeant Stephen Packer, I served with him personally in Iraq in our first deployment in 2004 and 2005. A phenomenal guy. I remember my last time seeing him. It was just before I left the company. He was standing near a gazebo, and I took a picture of him and his ACUs, and they were just getting ready to deploy. If only I knew it would have been my last time seeing him. I probably would have held him a little longer, shook his hand a little harder, and told him goodbye. It was on May 17, 2007, in the Triangle of Death near Mamadi, Iraq, where Sergeant Stephen Packer took his last breath on this earth in search of his missing brothers from 431 infantry battalion. Not a year or may goes by where I do not think about him or the guys from 431 that paid the ultimate sacrifice in service to our country. They're always in my memory, and I'm forever grateful for the example that Sergeant Stephen Packer showed, living out the soldier's creed and the infantryman's creed, leaving no soldier behind, and laying down his life for his fellow brothers to bring him home. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for his friends. John 15:13 Ladies and gentlemen if you would please join me in a moment of silence for those fallen soldiers and my fallen brother Sergeant Stephen Packer Stephen we miss you brother forever thankful forever grateful and that is why i will always continue to exercise my rights And provide protection and secure the liberties of those who live within this country, ensuring that everyone is afforded their rights and freedoms under the United States Constitution, under the colors of the American flag. All that you died for, sir. We love you, Stephen. Alrighty. Man, I know it's starting a little heavy, but, you know, every time I hop on Facebook this time of year, I see everybody sharing memories of Stephen, man. And Just a great guy. One of the nicest guys you could have ever met. Fourteen years, and he will never be forgotten. Not as long as I'm alive or his uh, fellow brothers from Alpha Company are alive. We will continue to mention his name and keep his sacrifice relevant. It will never die with us. All right, but moving on, moving on. In a good mood. Very good mood. Man, I just had the honor of meeting back with my group of Purple, fellow Purple Heart veterans here in Kentucky, the Kentucky Military Order of the Purple Heart. We had our first annual breakfast since COVID and it's my first meeting since being back and let me tell you it's good to be around a bunch of selfless men who have paid this price for freedom in this country by spilling blood sitting around the table and talking to them and just lifted my soul Had a rough week, but you know, just being around them just motivates me and lifts me up to do better, to keep going. Like I was even having a moment where I was thinking about the podcast. I was like, I was just tired. I don't want to do it. But just being around them motivated me. And what motivated me even more was the fact that my son, my five-year-old son was with me and he gets to sit amongst these heroes that this country wants to forget about and get rid of and erase their history. A lot of these guys served in Vietnam and were wounded over there. And the stories they can tell, the greatness that they have in them. The only thing I wish today was, I wish our Sergeant Major would have been there. He is one of the few remaining two-star CIB recipients still alive. I mean, this man, he fought in World War II when he was 19. Then he fought in the Korean War, and then he fought in Vietnam. And the one thing that stands out to me the most about him is he said that Vietnam was the most scared he's ever been because of the volume of fire that the Vietnamese were pouring on the U.S. troops was insane. Man, <laughs> to sit amongst these guys, I'm not even going to say as their equal, because you know, they are just, they are monsters among men. They are giants. And I look up to these guys. And if you look at us from afar, you'll see that I'm the only black person there, but None of that matters to any of us. None of it matters. The only color that matters to all of us in that group at breakfast this morning was red, white, and blue. And the blood we shed for this country and purple, for the purple hearts that we all received in service to our country. Man, it was just a great time. And like I said, my son cannot appreciate it now, but he will learn and know to appreciate it because I'm going to teach him to make sure. That we pay homage to people as such that keep this country free. The men I served with, Sergeant Packer, and all the gentlemen from 431 that died, and all the guys I had breakfast with this morning. These are the people we need to be fighting for. And so also moving on, I got some good news on the book, ladies and gentlemen. The I Am Pitts book. I submitted to a local publisher here, and they have agreed to take my book. So the next step is they're, they're going to do an assessment on it. And then after I make the corrections from the assessment, the book will then move to proofreading and editing. And after editing, it will be published. I don't know how long it's going to take to get this process done, but I am hoping that within the next six months that this book of mine will come to fruition and become a real thing, real tangible thing. And I will be a published author and I hope that my story gets out into the ether and inspires people and helps people see that if Dexter Pitts can do it, anybody can do it. So I got a lot of good stuff going on, man. I'm a blessed man. I can tell you that much. I'm a very blessed man. Sometimes I lose sight of that, but I'm glad I have people in my corner to keep me focused and help me realize all the good that I have going for me. Even though at same it seems like the darkness is surrounding me and closing in on me, there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. And you got to stay focused on it. So with that said, looking at the light at the end of the tunnel, it was kind of a dark week in America, man. Ah, Just everything going on from the attack on the Colonial Pipeline and the gasoline shortage. And now here's my thing. I don't really know what happened with the attack on the gas line. A lot of people seem to think they know what happened, but who really knows? What is truth in this day and age of social media and news? I just don't trust anything I hear or see from either. So apparently it was a group called Side that hacked them, that hacked the pipeline and held the gas hostage for $5 million. And apparently we paid them. We gave in to these hackers, excuse me, terrorists. We gave them $5 million and nobody said anything about it. Not a word has been said about it. And I'll be honest, a lot of people are blaming President Joe Biden for the attack. Let's be like, like, come on, let's let's be fair. He is the commander in chief. He is in charge of this country. However, it is not his fault that we got hacked. Now, some people might argue that, well, he's weak, blah, blah, blah. Yes, I completely agree. He is a weak president, but we can't unfairly put this at his feet and say that he caused a single incident. That's not true. We got to be fair. We got to be partial. All right. So, yeah. But I mean, other, but what gets me about this whole gasoline shortage, it's not the fact that there, that we were going to have a gasoline shortage. It's the same thing that happened with COVID that drove me crazy with this. People panic. And what happens when people panic? People start making irrational decisions and start thinking about self-preservation. What happened with COVID? Everybody went out to the stores and bought hand sanitizer and toilet paper. I could see the hand sanitizer, but the toilet paper thing still escapes me. We could not find toilet paper for weeks. Weeks because people were hoarding. And not only that, people were trying to exploit their fellow citizens by buying up tons of toilet paper and selling it for two, three, four times the price. Like I, I understand this is a capitalist society, and we are all about making money. But at a certain point, we have to Just be a good human, be a decent person. It's not always about making money. Sometimes it's about taking care of the person to your left and your right. If profit is your only motive, I'm sorry, but you're missing the mark. And that is not what we are supposed to do here in this country. Yes, make your money. But dude, we got to take care of the people to our left and our right. And what do we see here in America? We saw stupidity on epic levels. I thought the toilet paper shortage was bad. But my God, people putting gasoline in plastic bags are you flipping serious this is exactly why the aliens won't come visit us sometimes i wonder why people from mexico and other countries want to come to america when we have things like this people putting gasoline in tupperware containers it's just and like i said these are the same people we let these people vote these are the same people making love to their partners with their COVID mask on. <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes all you can do is laugh, just try to laugh it off. But oh, it's so stupid! It hurts. God, it hurts just to see it, man, and just to panic. Like I said, I never panicked. One because I just don't believe. I don't. I just don't believe in living in fear. Now, when I heard that there was possibly a gas shortage, did I have some concern? Of course, because I'll be honest. I am not prepared for any catastrophic event that might hit this country. I'm just not. I'm living in a a two-bedroom apartment with my family. I don't have anywhere to have any extra food storage or anything. I don't even have a go-bag ready. So, yeah, y'all can give me crap about that. That's fine. As soon as I get my situation a little better, I plan on having all that. But right now, I'm just not. But even if I were to panic, it just never comes to my mind to self-preserve because I have... For the last 15 years of my life, I have carried a weapon in defense of everybody to protect everybody else but myself. So I remember when the toilet paper thing started happening. We didn't go and hoard toilet paper. Me and my family, we thought about everybody else. Like, yes, we need toilet paper, but so does everybody else. And it was the same with the gas. There was just no need for me to go and hoard gasoline. I just don't believe in hoarding. And stealing from other people. Ladies and gentlemen, we live in one of the most successful countries on the face of this earth. We have a bounty of gasoline, toilet paper, and everything. There's no need to panic. However, we run short on supply because people start to hoard and because people start to panic and worry and because people try to exploit their neighbors to gain profit. We got to be better than that. I don't know where in this country we started going wrong with uh, not taking care of those to our left and our right. I don't know what happened to JFK's mantra of ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. I mean, you can even replace country with neighbor. I mean, even got, one of Jesus' greatest commandments was to love thy neighbor. You don't love thy neighbor by taking advantage of them and exploiting them. And that is exactly why I'm a police officer, because I believe in protecting people. I believe in helping bring to justice those that have been exploited and taken advantage of. So America's behavior this past week, I know it's not everybody, but from what I saw on Facebook and social media, absolutely disgusts me. We got to be better than that. Now, people are looking at us and laughing, and that's what bothers me the most is how we come off to the rest of the world. We are supposed to be... plate the country that everybody looks to but right now we are a hot mess because we are a nation of lions being led by sheep and taken to the slaughter by those in charge of this country and i don't know what's going on but i can only hope and pray that somebody wakes up at some point in time and gets this ship back on the right course because where we're going is not it i mean if you just look at the economy right now the economy is garbage And I will give this disclaimer as well. I, Dexter Pitts, am not an economist. I don't know anything about gross domestic product. I know the terms. I don't know about none of that and none of it. I really don't. But I just know I don't like what I'm seeing at the gas pumps. Like I said, your boy just bought a 2015 GMC Sierra four-wheel drive. Freaking love that truck. It's so sexy. God, and I look good sitting in it, y'all. Y'all got to see me. If you see me in it, just hunk and throw me a hand. Just wave high. It's so pretty, but i tell you what, costing $70 to fill up at the pump was not pretty. Not pretty. Like I said, I don't want to go back to my Toyota Camry. I refuse to go back. I'm a toxic masculine man, and I need my big old four-wheel drive pickup truck. All right? I'm not getting back in that Camry. I don't care how bad the gas prices get. I ain't no scrub. I got money in the bank, but I definitely somebody need to holler at their boy Joe Biden, do something about these gas prices this is ridiculous i mean even the housing market right now is the same so me and my family we're trying to get the heck up out of jefferson county we're trying to move up up out of here because this place is not conducive to the type of environment we want to raise our children in but man we were looking at houses out in a different county i'm not gonna say because i don't want y'all to try to follow me and i'm not trying to ruin a good thing i'm not gonna let what y'all doing to uh, to what arizona and texas happen in the surrounding counties in Jefferson, in, uh, Jefferson County, I'm not going to bring them policies, them liberal policies out there and ruin a good thing. But yeah, man, we were looking at houses Man, a house that we wanted to have built initially was like $300,000, but because of the lumber shortage, man, they talking about like 360. One place was talking like 400 because I, I got money, but I'm not trying to be house poor. Y'all, I'm not going down that road. And so we're in this weird place where it's like, yeah, interest rates are low, but there's no houses on the market. Houses are flying off the market so fast and they're going for about $50,000 above asking price and people aren't getting home inspections done on their houses. This is an insane market. So we want to sit and wait out the market till next year. Problem is, they say double digit inflation is coming. They said interest rates probably be double next year. I don't really know anything about all that. I just know I'm not trying to pay double interest rates for the next house I get. Man, it's just a weird time right now in America, man. And like I said, President Biden is asleep at the wheel. And I know what they're going to try to say. Well, you know, this is all Trump's fault, right? Because, uh, you know, he was in office. This is all his policies just starting to take effect. This, is, uh, this isn't this on Joe Biden. And I, like, I tell people this is the crazy part. I have not heard one person come out and say anything in defense of Joe Biden and all that's going on. You could put your politics aside. I don't care who you voted for or what you believe, but we all want lower gas prices. We all want low interest rates. And we want the market to go back to normal because everything's so much more expensive right now, man. It's insane. Nobody in their right mind wants this stuff. But hey, those that voted for Joe Biden, I hope you're happy because, you know, at least nobody's tweeting mean things and your feelings are intact. As long as your feelings aren't intact, I hope you don't mind paying the gas prices, all right? All right. And then the other thing that's also driving me crazy right now is the fact that nobody is working. Nobody's working. Now, I'm working a whole lot, but because of COVID and all the stuff going on and the government just handing out gobs of cash to people due to COVID, why would anybody want to return to work when you can make more? Sitting on your American ass and cash a check from the government and never have to work what is the benefit to going back to work? see for me personally like I say I get a check from the government but let me tell you there is no way I'm just gonna sit on my butt and depend on the government to take care of me all day and provide for me like I don't have to work but I choose to work because I believe in what I do I believe in my profession but also... I want to set a good example for my children, especially my son. I want him to see what it looks like for a man to get up and go to work in the twilight of the morning and not return home until nightfall. Knowing that daddy's been out here slaying it, taking care of business and putting food on the table and shoes on his feet. Like I said, he's only five, but I want them to see that. I want my daughter to see what it looks like for a man to work for his family. I want her to know that, what it's like to have a man that works because he loves you and wants to provide for you and take care of you. I can't do that sitting at home using my experiences from Iraq and having PTSD and all these other disabilities I have as a reason to just sit on my butt and not be a productive member of society. Not me, not Dexter Pitts, never. I can't do that. But we have some people that absolutely don't mind. From a study I read, I remember hearing that only... Like less than 50% of Americans pay taxes, less than 50%. So half are working, the other half is not just sitting at home chilling, collecting government assistance. I say, I'm not against government assistance, but I am a, but I am against abuse of the system. And right now we have people abusing the system. But Dex, I mean, COVID, I'm terrified. I'm terrified. Let me tell y'all something about COVID. And I mean, hear me out. I am not a COVID denier. I know COVID is absolutely real. I lost my uncle in December to COVID. On the election night for Joe Biden and President Trump, I was in bed thinking I was going to die. I stopped breathing on election night. I had COVID and I drove myself to the ER that night and I thought I was going to die. And then I spent the next three days in the ER. I did not sleep because every time I laid back it felt I just the pressure in my chest was so bad and immense. I literally could not breathe. I did not think I was going to come out of the VA alive. I thought I, I, after all I went through with Iraq and being a cop and in the Border Patrol and all these dangerous situations I've been in, I really thought I was about to die of the Chinese virus. But thank God I did not. I came around and I recovered. And I still have issues, man. I still have a little wheeze that I get from periodically, man. So, yeah, COVID's real, but I don't live my life in fear. I never have, and I'm not going to. And so now that the CDC has magically lifted the mask ban, and they have given us permission to be free again and be American and go outside. But unless you had your vaccination, I said, I'm not going to get on anybody that wants to get the vaccination or doesn't want to get the vaccination. That's your personal choice. This is America. We have freedom of choice here. And it's the same with the mask. Me, I hate the mask. I can't stand it. However, I have enough respect for when I walk into a business that is privately owned and that business says, we want you to wear a mask. Guess what I'm going to do? Out of respect for somebody else's business and a fellow person's hard work, I am going to put my mask on even though I don't want to. It's not about me. It's their business. That's what they want. That's what I'm going to do. Now, outside in the public, no, I'm not going to wear a mask. I'm not gonna do it, but if I'm going into somebody's establishment, I will definitely wear the mask. And what we have to do, man, we gotta stop shaming each other for our personal choices in this country. That freaking drives me crazy, man. I hate it. Absolutely hate it, you know, because it's either all in on the left, all in on the right. We we don't get anywhere like this. The the Discord, the discourse right now is and the polarization is just off the charts. We can't even think logically for ourselves. We just won't even let people come to their own conclusion and decisions. We have to insert our opinion into everything. And that drives me crazy, man. Like I say, let people live their lives. If somebody doesn't want to wear a mask, guess what? That's their personal choice and it's okay. If they want to wear it, fine. I'm going to laugh at you if you're wearing your mask by yourself in your car driving. And I appreciate you. Thank you for the laugh. I might call you an idiot. But I mean, hey, I support your right to be an idiot. Do what you do. Live your life how you want to live your life. It's none of my business. I really don't care. And on to the next topic. Man, so y'all know me. I am a very conservative person. I love my fellow conservatives. I especially love my fellow black conservatives because it is nice to know that I am not alone in this world as a black conservative. However, in all to be fair... I always feel like I have to call out my other fellow black conservatives when I hear something or see something that is just not right or, or something that's hypocritical. So we've all been paying attention to the whole saga with Christy Teagan, Miss Superwoke herself. I don't know how many people Christy Teagan has tried to have canceled, but she has been one of the main leaders in cancel culture coming after people's careers and all this other garbage from the left that I just absolutely cannot stand. I hate cancel culture, every bit of it. But what I cannot stand is people that rage against cancel culture and then try to use cancel culture to get somebody else canceled or celebrate when somebody else does get canceled. And the incident I'm talking about is between Miss Christy Teigen and Candace Owens. So as we know, some old tweets surfaced from Christy Teigen when she was trying to encourage a young 16-year-old girl to kill herself. Now, that is disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. There's no excuse for you should never try to attempt to get somebody to kill themselves or encourage them to kill themselves. Just being a horrible person. Christy Teigen exposed who she really is deep down. I say she's one person in Hollywood on Twitter, but as I say, give people time, and their true character will always show. She showed her true character, but now that was years ago, and maybe has she changed? I don't know. I would like to think so. I would hope so. I don't know. I don't pay attention to Christy Teigen at all. I don't really care. I don't really know what she did besides Mary John Legend, and I don't care about that dude too much either. He does have a few good songs, but I'll give him that, but that's about it. So yeah, so these tweets surface. And Candace Owens goes in on Christy Teigen saying that she needs to be canceled and she's calling for Target and all these places to have Christy Teigen, her products moved and her cookbooks taken down and all this. And I just like Candace Owens, girl, if you get the, if you hear this message, I love you. I love a lot of the things you say and do, but I got to disagree with you on this because you are one of the biggest proponents of fighting against cancel culture. You have said it in many of your past interviews, girl, that you think cancel culture is horrible and godless. You despise cancel culture. You said, I remember in an interview you said that nobody should be punished for things they said or did years ago when they were younger. And now you are here celebrating Christy Tegan being canceled, pushing for Christy Tegan to be canceled. Sweetie, we cannot dwell... In both of these places at the same time. You can't rage against cancel culture. But then when it happens to somebody you don't like. Celebrates that it happens to them. Now I will say. woke culture is starting to eat its own people. And honestly. I'm not going to step in to stop it. I'm really not. Because you created this monster. Hey, You deal with it. Christy Teigen. You've had your fair share. And it's coming for you. Hey, and know what? I'm not going to step in to stop it, but I will say this. I don't think she should be canceled. I don't think anybody should be canceled. I really don't because we are all we are all humans. and We have all said or done dumb things in the past. And I just really don't believe that we should use one incident to just completely erase somebody and take away their future potential. I just don't believe in completely just sterilizing somebody from history. Because of the mistakes they made. And that's my complaint with Candace Owens right now. Like I say, I agree with Candace on a majority of the things she says. I really do. We have a lot of the same thoughts and opinions. But just as I say with my wife, I love my wife. My wife is phenomenal. But do you think we agree on everything? No, that's not possible. There's no way. We are different people. We have different experiences, different views, different outlooks. But at the same time, we are still heading in the same direction with a vision for the future. And so with Candace Owens, I just don't like hypocrites. I really don't. And if I'm ever a hypocrite, somebody please feel calm. Call me out. I don't mind. I'm able to put aside my pride and ego to say, you know what? Yeah, that was a bit hypocritical of me. Because I've been a hypocrite at times before. But I try to avoid that now by being truly open and honest. But at the same time, you have to realize that people change. People can change. Not all the time, but it is possible. So to Candace Owens, I just want to say, I love your girl, and I support you. However, you can't have it both ways. You have to pick a ground. I don't even want to say pick a side and stand on it because that's just, I don't want to get into the whole binary you know, way of thinking this, this, or that, but you can't rage against cancel culture and then celebrate it at the same time. That is not conducive for any of us. Either you're for it or you're against it. You got to make up your mind. And so moving on from that to the last topic, and a lot of people have an opinion about this. Everybody know what? It's 2021 social media age where everybody's got an opinion, even me, and I'm going to give it. Probably don't like it, but oh well, I don't care. So the whole issue right now going on in Israel with the Palestinians, everybody's got an opinion, you know, you got to protect Palestinian lives. I support Israel. I'm going to go ahead and say this and just get it out the way. I am a Christian. I believe in the Holy Bible. Don't know everything about it like I should. Don't study it as much as I should. I'm sure there's a lot of people that know a lot more biblically about me. That's fine. But I will say, yes. Do I believe that Israelis are God's chosen people? I do. Do I believe that prophecy will be fulfilled with Israel? From what I studied, yes, I do. But like I say, don't ask me deep Deep questions about prophecy. I really don't know. I'm not the guy. Just like and I'm not an economist. I am not a Bible scholar. I've studied some things. And yes, that's about it. So yes, I do believe in prophecy and all that. And you might People might turn off this show. He's, he's a nutcase. No. I believe that Jesus Christ died on this cross for my sins. I believe in the Bible. I believe in prophecies and all that stuff. And like I say, some people don't agree with it. That's fine. I this is America, man. We have freedom of religion. Go believe and follow whatever doctrine you want to follow, but that's what I do believe in. And so a lot of Christians automatically support Israel because of the Bible. But here's my only issue. This is just me. I do I believe and support Israel. Plus they are they are our allies. They are one of our only true allies in the Middle East. But this is my issue. I have friends that are Palestinian. Yes. Yep. I got a very good friend. She lives in Palestine. Well, Nablus, her and her husband, her entire family's there. When she was here, I met her whole family. They are wonderful people. They're Muslims, but they're not radical Muslims. They're just good people. They came here looking for a better life and they found it. Well, some of them went back home. And while all this is going on, you know, I see people, they support Israel. Like I say, I do too. But at the same time, just because I support Israel does not mean that I can't empathize or support my friends that are living over there that are Palestinian. That, that's called being a human. That's called caring about people that I know that are good people. And because I could care about somebody Palestinian doesn't mean that I don't care about somebody that's Israeli or vice versa. Like I, said, I have a loyalty to my friends, too. And so for me to just interject and simply just be on one side and all the Palestinians are right, the Israelis are right, you know, they're wrong, he's wrong. Let's be honest. Nobody in America really knows. We think we do, but we really don't know because we don't live there. We just see the news headlines. And this is the thing with social media that drives me crazy. You can find whatever you want to argue your point and validate your point on Google as to why the Palestinians are on the right or why they're in the wrong. You can Google the same thing for the Israelis and find out why they're in the right or why they're in the wrong. And it just goes back and forth, back and forth. And there is just really who really knows? I don't. I'm not going to pretend that I know. But everybody in Hollywood will make you think that they know what's going on when they have absolutely not a damn clue what's going on. And they're trying to tell us all what to think. And everybody thinks they know. Everybody thinks they have the answer. The truth is, nobody in America, unless you are an historian, you have no clue. Unless you have family over there, you have no clue. And the truth is, man, most people that live there now, they probably don't even have a clue. They just know that since the day they were born, hey, look across that fence. You see those guys? They killed our family. They're the bad guys. We're going to kill them. And on the other side of the fence, they're looking back at them, pointing at them. You see those guys? Those are the bad guys. We don't like them. Why? We just don't. We're going to kill them. And then it just goes on and on and on and on. And we're over here in America, nestled safe in our homes. Nobody's dropping bombs on us, but we're complaining about our Wi-Fi being out, our water not being cold, you know, our gas shortage, and we're hoarding gas, we're running out of toilet paper and people are panicking. Oh my God, it's the end of it's the end of society. We don't have gas. We need toilet paper. And that's what we're doing here while people are over there in the Middle East really losing their lives over this conflict. And we want to inject interject ourselves from our position of privilege that the left loves to talk about so much because living in this country is an absolute privilege. We don't have those problems like they have over there. We don't have the Iron Dome here because we don't necessarily need it. Nobody's attacking us in our homes every day, but they live there and that's their environment. And this has been going on long before any of us realize, long before Like I said, unless you're a historian, you really don't know. I've listened. I've tried to study it, but man, it is such a deep rooted conflict. And I said, I have friends that are Arab that are telling me their side of the story. I've got friends that are Israeli. They're telling me their side and what they think. And you know what? I support more than either side. I support peace. I don't know what it's going to take to solve the middle that problem. I nobody does. I don't know what it's going to take, but that is all I can hope and pray for is peace. Because like I said, I've been to war. War is ugly. War is hideous. And the last thing I want is for war to reach our shoreline again. Is to see young American men like Sergeant Steven Packer and the guys from 431 Infantry Battalion. The last thing I want to see is more people like that ending up losing their lives. Because, like I said, freedom cost. And man, people living in the Middle East, I don't care what side they're on. They're all people. And guess what? Everybody wants the same thing at the end of the day. Everybody wants to be in control of their lives. Everybody wants to live and be left alone. Everybody wants to live in peace. But I just think it's wrong for us as Americans to constantly interject ourselves into something we really don't know about. Now, if you're going to be, you know, two sides just based on the Bible and prophecy, I, I completely understand that. But don't use the Bible to lose your humanity and completely demonize the other side of the equation because there are kids that have been killed over there on both sides, and they're not really fond of what's going on. They have nothing to do with it. They were just born into this mess and born into this conflict, and you can't demonize an entire people based off of the opinions of a Hollywood celebrity. We just can't do that. and We can't let that happen. So like I say, yeah. Israel is our American. They're our ally in the Middle East. I'm a Christian. I believe that the Israelis are God's chosen people. And I do believe in prophecy being fulfilled. But that does not take away from my humanity to love and care for my friends that are Palestinian. And I want to see them happy. I want to see them safe. I don't want to see them get hurt. I don't want to see anybody get hurt on either side. So I don't know what it's going to take to bring peace about. But I that that's my hope. That's what I support more than anything. I support peace in the Middle East. And I don't know how to achieve that. And I just pray that my friends on both sides of the equation. That they're all going to be okay. So I'm going to go ahead and end this one everybody. Thank you all for tuning in to the I Am Pitch Podcast. I'm a little amped up today. I had a lot of coffee this morning. So if I'm talking a little fast, pardon me. Got the caffeine flowing in the veins, so hopefully it'll carry over to the next one. Thank y'all for tuning in. And remember, just be a decent person and mind your damn business. All right, everybody, take it easy. See you on the next one.